offering a praise this morning. He's so good. Praise God. You can be seated. Join me on that hillside as the shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks by night and across the sky. That angelic host comes with the greatest news that the world had ever heard. It's called Good News, which is the gospel. They declared that in the city of David, a Savior would be born be Christ the Lord. We know that earlier when Elizabeth heard that Mary would give birth to Jesus, she worshipped. Her husband worshipped. We see that upon the shepherds getting this news, they immediately declared that they were on their way to find him, to give him worship. What really mattered to them was not at that point their occupation. It was finding Jesus, the one that really matters, and to give him worship. We know the story of the wise men upon receiving the message. They were guided by the very glory of God to the place where he was. And they came to offer worship. Later, when Jesus was taken by his parents to be dedicated, Simeon looked at Jesus and he said, My, my eyes have now seen the salvation of the Lord, the consolation, the light to the Gentiles, the deliverer. So when Simeon saw him, he worshipped. Each one of these individuals, they're central to the Christmas story. And all of them express this very clear message that Jesus is the one. He's the Messiah, the most important, the one who matters. And the response to his coming from all of their hearts was worship. I want to show you what Mary said. In her famous song recording in Luke chapter 1, she said, Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice she says, My soul and my spirit. This was worship from the inside out. She said, My soul praises. That word praise is an amazing word. It means to make larger. And so what she's saying is, God, you've never been greater in my eyes than you are right now. Could you say that? I want us all to be able to say, as we reflect on who Jesus is to us, that he's as great in our eyes today as he's ever been. And when he occupies that kind of place, the response is worship. Mary said, my soul praises him. Later in that song, to give support to that praise, here's what she says. He's the mighty one. He has shown mercy to generation after generation. And he has done great things. Worship comes from the heart when you stop long enough to reflect how great God has been to you, how merciful he's been to you, and the awesome things he's done in your life. And when those come together in your heart, the response is worship. You realize that of all the things that are important in life, But for the mercy of God, the greatness of God, and the blessing of God, where would any of us be? Where would you be? Where would I be? And when we capture that, there's nothing greater. He's great as he's ever been. And our soul praises God. 
That's what it's all about. She said, my spirit rejoices. Rejoice is used by Peter later on in his first letter as he talks about salvation and how it leads to an inexpressible joy. Mary was young but very aware of of truth. She didn't have the Old Testament like we did, but she was aware of the teaching of Torah. And you see it just layered in this song that flows from her heart there in Luke chapter 1. So she rejoices in God, her Savior. Savior. She's saying something there that is so profound, but we'll lead up to it by going back to Genesis when God created the heaven and the earth. He created the mountains and the seas, but the prize of creation was when He made man and woman. And He placed them in perfection. And in His perfect love, He established relationship with them where he, they could know Him they could do the day with him. There was only one prohibition, and yet they broke that law. They sinned. They ate of that one tree that was blocked. And God had been clear, if you should reach a day where you think you know better than me and you break this law, then you will surely die. It wasn't a physical death. It was a separation. Sin happened. We call it the fall of man. And God, you know, he didn't turn his back. He gave them all of these yeses and one no. He put them in a place of perfection and said, it's yours and we're going to do life together. And, And they blew it, but he didn't turn his back. Even in Genesis, you see him immediately putting into place this plan of restoration. It unfolds with him saying, I'm going to call to myself a people. I will call them Israel. And so he invited Israel into a covenant relationship. A special relationship that if they would just move in obedience, that he would bless them beyond words. But a few days into that relationship, Israel rebelled. and As a result, idolatry was a normal part of their life. And it would have been reasonable for God to say, you know, what else can you do? And he could have washed his hands and, and forgotten humanity. But no, he raises up these messengers. And he sends them one after another to declare his love and to call them. If you'll just repent, God will restore you. God will bless you. God will revive you in the midst of the years. You'll know his favor. But instead of responding in submission and surrender to those messengers and messages, they ended up rebelling against the message and killing the messenger. God could have easily said What else do you do? And could have walked away, turned his back. But no, this mercy that was from generation to generation, it culminates in the ultimate act of love when the creator becomes part of creation himself. The angels declared that this Christ child would be born. John, he wrote about how in the beginning was the word and the word means Jesus and how God didn't do anything apart from Jesus and everything was created by him and through him and apart from him nothing was created and that Jesus his light it's the light that shined in the darkness and the darkness didn't comprehend it and so there was the fall of man and all of this rebellion to the repeated efforts of God's love to call his people home and so now after silence 
John the Baptist rises up and begins to declare the coming of this light, this life. John says, I am not the light. I am coming to testify of the light. He said, the word will become flesh and dwell among us. He will be full of mercy and unfailing love. The very glory of God, he will be. So it culminates as Jesus is born and Mary is giving worship. It's like she's, she's so full of understanding. She's continuing the prophetic unfolding story of God. For we know the story. He'll grow up in the home of Mary and Joseph. Joseph being a carpenter. And at age 30, Jesus would enter into ministry. And we'll find him helping people, healing people, caring and teaching. Everything to be a blessing. And ironically, people turned on him, rebelled against him, and even crucified him. Now at this point, it would be reasonable to think that God would say, I, there, there's, there's no other response. But instead, what God says is, if you will believe in the action that you have seen through the cross, then you will be saved. And I will restore you. I will forgive you. I will remove the guilt. We will enter into a relationship where you will know me. My presence will be with you. And the day will come where we will enjoy a full eternity together. For I, Jesus says, am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and I'm the way you come to the Father. And I'm the only way you come to the Father. To people that were hungry, he says, I'm the bread of life. To people that were thirsty, he says, you drink of the water I give. And you'll never thirst again. To people who were in darkness, he says, I am the light of life. He was everything. And so when Mary writes this song, she says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It was capturing the totality of that story. And what she's saying is, this this one, this Jesus will be the mediator between God and man. He will pay the full price of the penalty of sin. And whoever believes in him, they will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. That's why the angel said, joy to the world. Because it's good news. Mary lived in a time that was an interesting, interesting time. Because Augustus had all the power. Culture said that it was his name given, whereby you must be saved. There was a very specific phrase in that Roman time called the good news, and it was the good news of Augustus. And he was the king, and everyone would bow to him. And in that culture, this teenage girl rises up. She says, there is another name. There is one who is almighty, and it's not Augustus. There is one whose mercy does pass from generation to generation, and it doesn't come from this emperor of Rome. There is one who does good things. There is one who's the Savior, and it is not this one seated on the throne in Rome. It is this one, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you 
see that he's the one that really matters. That our response will be like theirs. We'll worship. And when I say that he's the one that matters, that he's not just tacked into our Christmas season. He's not just seen in in kind of the trappings of the season. He is the one who stepped in the middle between God and man. And he stretched out his arms and he died, building that bridge so that we could be restored, we could be redeemed, we could be reconciled. And and that, that was enough to set us worshiping for the rest of our lives. But he doesn't stop there. He turns and he says, I'll be faithful to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You'll never spend a night alone. You will never spend a moment where you are absent from me. I'll watch you coming in and I'll watch you going out. You're going to go through trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Hey, you can do all things through me because I give you strength. I will. I will supply all of your needs. Every single one of them according to my riches and my glory. Oh, I have created you to be a masterpiece. I have intended good works for you to do. And I'm going to empower you to do them. And as you walk with me, you'll come to know me as a God who can do abundantly above all you could even ask or imagine. I'm the one that matters. I'm the one that loves you. I'm the one that has taken your place. And I'm going to give you purpose and lead you. And one day we'll spend all eternity forever I'm talking about forever and ever we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going out every day that we live we are blessed when you go home and put your feet under the table today and there's a table of plenty and I want to tell you that's the blessing of God clothes on your back and a roof over your head that's the blessing of God I know you work hard and you work hard to provide, but it's God that gives us the strength to work. It's God that gives us a mind that we can engage so that we can be productive in this life and bear fruit and and have success. It is the blessing of God. If you go outside today and your car is an 86 or it's a 2006 or you just bought it this weekend, it's brand new, it doesn't matter. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You've got air coming through your lungs right now. That is a blessing of God. And the word says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him for the things that He has done in your life. Everything I am, everything I ever hope to be, it will come as a blessing of God. We celebrate all of these things in this life. But I want to be very clear. There's no celebration that can compare with the celebration of the redeemed of the Lord who've been forgiven brought into the family out of darkness into light now let us show forth the praises of him who's made us a royal priesthood a peculiar people a holy nation a people called out and set apart will you join me in praise give him glory give him honor he's the one that really matters he's the one he's the one come on lift up your eyes and lift up your heart and clap your hands and give him glory He's the one. He's the one that really matters.
together.
just worship the one that really matters today, your own heart in your own way. Tell him how much he means to you, what his love has done in your life, what his power has done in your life. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. There is no other name. There's a town in Austria that it just basically is in the dark all the time because these mountains surround it and it blocks the sun. And people kept moving away from the town because they just couldn't stand to not have light. City council met and said, look, if we don't do something about this, this town will die because no town can exist in the darkness. So these engineers uh, created these mirrors mounted them on the mountain that would reflect the sunlight over into the town and it started bringing a fresh vitality so spiritually I want to apply that and tell you that you were not created to live in darkness so Jesus Christ has come and he's the light and by his grace you can be saved and you can come out of that darkness out of the despair out of a life that is not working into the fullness of God's purpose for you and the reason that he came and gave himself so that he can know you and lead you into the life that he has for you. So with your eyes closed right now, in the presence of Jesus, if you'd say, my life is not what it needs to be. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. My life is broken, and I need the light of life. Would you just raise your hand right now? Raise it up and say, you're talking to me. I feel his presence. I feel the draw of God in my heart, and I want to open my heart and receive him. Anyone in this place should say, that's me. Secondly, if, as we've stood here in the presence of God and it's been so strong, you just realize He hasn't been what really matters. There's been other things that have occupied that place. And you need to set apart Christ as the Lord of your life. To make Him that first love, that fullness of your devotion would flow to Him. It's easy to get that mixed up in a culture that puts so many things out there as as what is most important. See it today. It's all about Jesus. And if today you want to rededicate your life to Him, why don't you just lift a hand right now. Let me see it and I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. Say, that's me. I want to know Him as the first love of my life. Lord Jesus, we just stand in Your most awesome presence today. And we thank You that You came. We thank You that You gave Your highest and Your best. We thank You that You are the one who loves us and has never turned your back. And today, we rejoice in you, our Savior. Today, our soul praises you. And we do that with not just words and songs, but with our life. When we leave this place, Lord, our work will be worship. The way we treat one another will be worship to you. The way we love other people will be worship to you. We'll build a life of worship because you've been so good. Thank you for this season and all that it means. And may you just fill every heart and every home with your grace and with your power so that like Mary, we will find those very special times where we magnify you and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, put your hands together if you love him and you're thankful for what he's done for you. Praise God. You may be seated. As you're seated, the ushers are going to come. And uh, this team that's standing in front of you, every Sunday throughout the year, they work so hard. And they do such an awesome job. And today they just 
they put all of this together to come and have one awesome experience of worship. Come on and let them know how grateful you are for their passion and their effort. You have received information about what's happening. I want you to read over that. If you're new to the church, there's a blue card in front of you. It's a connect card. If you take just a few moments and fill that out and then put it in the offering as it goes by because we want to connect with you and get to know you. If you're wanting to know more about the church, let this service set as an example. When we come into this new year, uh, we're looking to a new level of worship, a whole new level. We've been on a journey for about two years, and it's been amazing. And these songs you've heard today just loaded up with truth about who Jesus is and what he's done. They're so awesome, and there's a generation of worshipers rising. And, and everyone on this stage, all of our leaders, we long for that day from front row to back. Every seat is filled, and people are passionate in their worship for Jesus because they love Jesus and they've really made him the Savior and the Lord of their life. So it's part of our vision, and we want you to be included and involved in every way that you can. Just a couple more weeks to honor the Lord in giving for 2014. I encourage you to take advantage of that today. I know God's been good to you, so why don't you bless the Lord in worship and giving? Let's pray, and then we'll do just that. Thank you, Jesus, again for all you've done. I ask, Lord, that you find us faithful and finishing this year strong and ready to come out in a great focus in 2015. Bless now as we worship you in giving. Amen. What an awesome time of worship today, focusing on Jesus. He's the one that really matters. Amen. We pray from our hearts that you will just be blessed in this upcoming week. Some of you have faced different years this year than before, new experiences, some new joys, some new sorrows, new challenges. I assure you that whatever those are, wherever you are today, Jesus is real and he has come just for you. He's Emmanuel, he's God with us. He's not at a distance, he's as close as the mention of his name. So we pray that you'll keep that in mind and this presence as we felt in here, he goes right with us as we leave. We are the temple and we house the Spirit of God. So that's great news today, that hope we carry with us. So would you stand now? And we thank you for being with us today. God bless you and have a merry, merry Christmas. You're dismissed.